The following is a hoop ball presentation. Yo, 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 hey, hi, hello, and welcome to another edition of NBA Today. I'm your host, Corbin Ford. You can find me at CorbinNBA on Twitter. Please do. I desperately need those followers, and I appreciate you for it. Today is Tuesday, March 10th, and yes, we have gotten through another Monday doldrums. Did I say another? We've gotten through another Monday together, and that's great. It's been a very interesting day in the world of hoops. Only a three-night slate uh, from Monday. But still, plenty to talk about. The NBA and the coronavirus and how the NBA chooses to respond to this is going to be something to keep an eye on. It was kind of big on, on the news docket in terms of that fresh, fresh news for this past Monday. Uh, according to Adrian Wojnarowski and Zach Lowe, the NBA scheduled a conference call for Wednesday afternoon with team owners and governors to discuss next steps in the growing coronavirus crisis. Uh, there are escalating concerns among many owners and executives that the NBA could be headed toward games played with only essential personnel in arenas. But so far, the league's office has only pushed teams to be prepared should that necessity arrives. There are no current mandates for any national, state, or local officials that NBA games should be played without fans based upon the outbreak of the coronavirus in North America. Now, here's my issue. As of now, there aren't any uh, plans to do that. But with this outbreak, that's going to continue, you know, unless, you know, we get a stop to it surprisingly, miraculously fast. That's going to be an issue. How will that affect players? How will that affect um, fans? Not going to be watching the game. What does that look like? Like, let's try to picture that. Are we playing like an empty gym with just the players playing the games? Are there no broadcasters there? Uh, what exactly is essential personnel? The towel people? The coaches and assistant coaches? Okay. What about the people who run the arena? Are they are they not to be there? Do they get paid to do their job? I mean, concession obviously is one thing. Maintenance is another. You know, the normal functions that a team of people do to make the production of the NBA work. Are they just out of a job now? Did some research, and it turns out that during the lockout back in uh, 2012, the people people didn't get paid that were operating that. And I'm not sure whether that onus falls on the billionaire owners or whether there's some other structure in place, but that's not acceptable. That's not great at all. And that's a concern to me. Because you have to think about that. Yes, the games, that would obviously be a big hit. I mean, the games will still be played, so that's something, but that fan experience is gone. But listen, in the, in the wake of an outbreak, you have to do what you have to do. Right now, it's increased hand sanitizer, which is hilarious to me because hand sanitizer usually fights bacterial, and with this coronavirus, it is literally viral. So, okay, but listen, you know, they're actual doctors on the staff. I am not one, so I'm not one to judge or talk about that, uh, aside from my own just random thoughts and misgivings there. But that's my issue. What does that look like? Just curious. How does that how does that come off? Is there a plan in place and would there be? And if so, we're in March now. Playoffs are a little over 50 days away. After that summer league, does that happen? You have events 
being canceled in San Francisco. Coachella's in, in danger. And you know, other places are, are making significant changes to their events and activities in the wake of this. And it is not far behind for the NBA to look at it drastically in that way. NFL, same thing. NBA and M- M- MLB, same thing. But since it's the NBA today, I can only talk about it as it pertains to the, M- to the NBA. Or I will only talk about it as it pertains to the NBA. It's just something to worry about. I think it is. We're, we're a little bit past the time where it's like, oh, you know, pure conjecture. Even though that's exactly what I'm doing. But it's conjecture with an eye of what could possibly happen. And it's a very real thing. Very real thing. Before I talk to you about the game of the night uh, this past Monday night, I do have to talk and share the great people over at mybookie.ag. Definitely make sure you check that out. You can get a, up to a 50% deposit match all the way up to $1,000. That's mybookie.ag. Promo code being today, which should be very simple. That is the name of this podcast and several others on the Hoopball Podcast Network. And just in case you were curious as to what those could be, I'll run down them for you. You have Fantasy NBA today, DFS today, today in sports betting. Obviously, the show, NBA Today. You also have the Coz and Brew Show, HB uh, Netcast, Clippers Cast, Lakers Cast, Grizzlies, Pelicans, and Kings. But let's pay attention to today, okay? Please. Like I said, use promo code today. Said it a bunch now. When signing up to get a 50% deposit match all the way up to $1,000, mybookie.ag, bet, win, get paid. All right. Back to the game of the night. And I was proud of this one. Not going to lie. I've been a Charlotte Hornets fan this season. Really love uh, developing teams that with, with polarizing players I can get behind. Uh, preferably, they remind me of my own solid play. Uh, that's why I'm a big Russell Westbrook fan. Irrational confidence out the wazoo. That is my game. I don't care if I miss 14 threes. I'm taking the 15th one. I'm the most qualified person to do it. And Russell Westbrook will be shooting 23% from three, which he's shooting just around there. But guess what? He thinks he can make that three. That three is going up, right? Well, the Russell Westbrook archetype player for the Charlotte Hornets is Terry Rozier. Scary Terry, okay? That's it. And sometimes the shot selection is very scary. But tonight, the dude broke out for a career-high 40, all right? He was red hot. I'm talking 8 out of 13 from 3, 61% hot. 15 to 26, 57% from the field, hot. Only got to the free throw line two out of three. All right, and actually the time that he didn't go to the free throw line is really a controversial part of this game. But it was all jumpers and it was all going down. All going down. Somehow managed to get four rebounds and three assists in the midst of that scoring onslaught. That scoring barrage, if you will. Scary Terry could not be stopped, could not be contained. All right, even though that was the hope of the Hawks. But the Hawks came away with the victory. Yep, I said it. Double OT. The Atlanta Hawks outlasted the Charlotte Hornets. By five. 143 to 138. DeAndre Hunter was the hero. Broke a tie, sank three free throws with 13 seconds remaining in the second overtime. And they held on. Trey Young paced the Hawks with 31 points and 16 assists. Kevin Herter had double-double as well. Like I said, Terry Rozier led the way for the Hornets, but... It got a little fishy toward the end of that first overtime. Uh, just just a little bit there. Two reviews by the officials at the end. Gave surprise, surprisingly different results. Following the first review, Terry Rozier got fouled by Lance's Travion Graham with .8 seconds remaining. Well, guess what? That means he's shooting free throws, right? That makes sense. That's normally how the game goes, right? All right, you get fouled, you shoot two free throws. 
going to basket, end of the game, you could end it right there. End it right there. But this is where things got a little, little funky. Before Rozier had a chance to attempt the two free throws with the score tied, with 0.8 seconds left, that would probably been a, a, a much needed Charlotte win. And I'm just saying in terms of having a nice, just barn blaster of a game, and yeah, I just made that up on the fly. But instead of that happening, Atlanta Lloyd Pierce issued a coach's challenge before Rozier could shoot the two free throws. Serious? Some could say it was just in the nick of time. I, I tend to disagree. Just going to say that. They went over anyway. They accepted the coach's challenge by Pierce. And with that, the officials ruled that Rozier was not fouled. Crazy. Insane. That being said, ball goes back to Atlanta. Trey M is a last-second jump shot, and that's what kind of forces the second overtime. Now, Coach Brego and Terry Rozier were obviously ticked. Brego a little bit more than Rozier. Brego might get fined. I'm just going to say this. I'm going to read this quote. Very unfortunate. I'm very disappointed with the way the game ended. Every big call went in their direction. Every big call. That sucks. He's going to lose some money for that. I don't like that, but he's going to lose some money for that. But I feel it. The emotions are raw. They're real. He lost a game that he doesn't feel he should have lost by an iffy coach's challenge, and the rest have had some questionable... Uh, more liberal uses of that. So I'm with it. But he's still going to lose some money over it. Terry Rozier said, you know, it doesn't really matter what I think. I've got to watch what I say a little bit. Obviously, I don't agree with it. I thought I was going to shoot two free throws. Now, you hear that quote? I'm going to read it one more time for you. It doesn't really matter what I think. I've got to watch what I say a little bit. Obviously, I don't agree with it. I thought I was going to shoot two free throws. Now, the way that he did it, Rozier obviously was upset by that. Rozier obviously felt he should have shot two free throws. That, that, that point was made very clear in that quote. But Rozier didn't want to lose any money. He did not want to lose any money tonight. He's like, dude, I just scored a career high 40. I'm not giving money back. You need to pay me what you owe me. That's what I'm assuming. Because he got away with that. He's not getting fined for that. He shared his feelings. But in a way that doesn't directly attack the refs. Can't really be doing that. Just can't. Another guy for Charlotte had a good game was Devontae Graham, who I was a Devontae Graham apologist just after I was a Trey, uh, 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 Trey, <laughs> before I was a Terry Rozier apologist, uh, in, I'm saying that as in my Twitter name, that, that's what I am, uh, Devontae Graham, love that kid, scored 27 points, only shot 4 14 from 3, but he made two big free throws to give Charlotte a 122-121 lead with 5 seconds left in regulation, that, that was big, clutch, also, Charlotte got their first lead uh, in the second half from a Terry Rozier three-pointer with 113 left in regulation. So this was a tight, tight game. Caleb Martin fouled out for Charlotte, but I like his defense. And guess what? When he can add any offense, that's gravy. And gravy was what was provided to the Charlotte Hornets on Monday night. Caleb scored a career-high 23 points. He did foul in the second overtime, like I said. But boom. Brief scare for Devontae while I'm mentioning that. He had limped off a little bit with some left ankle soreness with just under five minutes left in the third quarter. Now, obviously, Charlotte's not playing for a playoff spot or anything, but that still wouldn't have been great. But he did return early in the final period. Thank you, probably going to tighten up. I wouldn't be surprised if he missed a game or, or so, especially with Charlotte having nothing to really to have to play for, but it's something to think about. But yeah, that was that was interesting. Charlotte, unfortunately, falls to 1-7 against Southeast Division opponents. No other team in the league has played so few games against division opponents. So, not not super great. 
Not super great. But yeah, uh, Trey Young made six of 13 threes. That was that was bomb. He's been playing very very well for the Hawks. I think what 31 points, four rebounds, 16 assists. That's fire. That's just good shot making. Worthy of an All Star maybe? I'm just kidding. Uh, but it was good to see that from him. So so that was that was interesting. All right, this is something that happened. Uh, came across us on Twitter, and I thought it was interesting. That's why I'm sharing it. Uh. By uh, Tim Bontemps, uh, ESPN, they asked 20 coaches, executives, and scouts from across the NBA, who is the best player in the NBA, what was the worst move of the summer, who will be the conference champions, and who will be the NBA champion? Now, uh, I'm assuming this was at the beginning of the year. I'm assuming that. Because the best player, uh, 12 of the 20 combined said that Kawhi Leonard was the best player in the NBA. 12 votes for Kawhi, 6 for Giannis, 2 for James Harden, not a single one for the man, the myth, the legend, the king, LeBron James. So it had to be before the season. Washed king. Hashtag washed king. Insane the disrespect. Insane. Second one was, what was the worst move of the summer? And here are the candidates. You have the Knicks offseason, <laughs> which is hilarious. Ricky Rebo to Phoenix. Eh, wasn't too wild about that myself. Tay Rozier to Charlotte. The blasphemy. How dare you disrespect Terry like that? And you also have other votes like the Wizards losing Tomas Sadaransky, uh, Sacramento's offseason. That's always a candidate. Jimmy Butler to Miami and Russell Westbrook to Houston. Uh, it was a tie between the Knicks offseason and Ricky Rubio to Phoenix, which the Knicks offseason, yeah, that was by all accounts a dumpster fire. But Ricky Rubio with Phoenix has been pretty solid this year. 12 points, 8 assists. You knew what you're getting with him. He's shooting 41% from the field, 34% from 3. But actually having a bona fide NBA point guard? worked wonders for the Suns this year. They're not making the playoffs, but it was a night and day improvement. The most wins in Devin Booker's career. can A, a lot of that credit can be chalked up to Ricky Rubio and the way that he's played this season. Which is just being, like I said, a solid point guard, which is what the Suns needed. I would like to see someone more exciting with a more... Uh, uh, risk-reward ratio and, and probably horrible defense if they had picked like a D'Angelo Russell or a Terry Rozier. And there was a word on the athletic that Terry was going to go to Phoenix but got offered more money in Charlotte. And, you know, you got to go where the money is, especially if you're going to drop 40. <laughs> Sorry, I had to shout out Terry one more time. But, you know, I get that. I just disagree. But, again, this could have been one of those uh, rankings. In fact, the more I'm looking at this, the more I think this was done before the season because it really doesn't make any sense now. And then Terry Rizzuto Charlotte got four votes. Um, the Wizards losing Tomas Danarensky got one, but honestly, I don't think he would help them too much. Uh, Sacramento's offseason, like I said, always a candidate along with the Knicks. That got a vote. Jumar Butler to Miami got a vote, and that's curious. And then Russell Westbrook to Houston got a vote. And the way Russell's played lately, I think that was dumb, but I could understand why you would have had that apprehension at the beginning. It's not lost on me. I'm not naive to that. Kind of felt mismatched. You know, and with the Houston uh, evolution of small ball and everything now, who knows what people think now, but that's curious. Uh, votes on who would be the conference champions. 12 people voted that the Bucks would win in the East, and 8 voted the 76ers. Eh. Going into preseason, a lot of people thought that the 76ers had a really, really good chance. Nobody, uh, I want to say nobody figured that the offense would be that clunky, but like I thought that, and I'm sure others did as well, but I guess they thought the talent would win out. 
just having a super big team of that Al Horford would play up to that contract and Ben Simmons would all of a sudden discover a three-point shot and turn to the second coming of Kyle Korver at six foot eight, and that Joel Embiid would be the dominant beast that, you know, he can be in. I don't know. I don't know. It felt like the Bucks to me. They were close last time. Giannis only got better. You would say, okay, Milwaukee. But there was enough of an argument that the 76ers would be up there that I'm not at all, like, shocked or dismayed by that, uh, that number there. For the West, you had 16 people uh, vote for the Clippers, two vote for the Nuggets, one for the Jazz, and one for the Rockets. Rockets this is kind of that weird dark horse one. Eh. The Jazz, people really, really were all over that Mike Conley move. Oh my gosh, we have a scoring point guard now. Oh my goodness. More offense for this Utah team. That was really the only thing holding us back. Forget the defense and the fact that Rudy Gobert would want more shots, even though if it's not a dunk or a screen assist, he's pretty much useless on the offensive end aside from rebounding. But I mean, my thoughts. Anyways, I, I, a lot of people are on that uh, Utah bandwagon, but apparently not a lot, a lot of the 20 coaches, executives, and scouts that were interviewed here. So that's interesting. Two for the Nuggets. I mean, you finished second in the Western Conference. Have a sneaky, deep, young team before they made these moves in this last uh, trade deadline, so I could see that. And the 16 for the Clippers is obvious. <clears throat> deep team. That was before they made the move for Reggie Jackson, before they made the move for Marcus Morris. They still had a very good team. Get Paul George and Kawhi, two of the elite wings in the NBA period. I mean, sure. Can't argue that. And the last one was who was the NBA champion. You had 13 for the Clippers, 2 for the Bucks, 2 for the 76ers, 1 for the Jazz, 1 for the Nuggets, 1 for the Rockets. Pretty much already covered that as far as who we got the West. Clippers, they feel like they had the edge. So I don't uh, disagree with that either. Not bad. Not bad. Some more fresh news news. If you're a Memphis Grizzly fan, you shouldn't be too upset. Jerry Jackson Jr. and Justice Winslow are expected to return to the Memphis Grizzlies lineup within the week. That is big. <clears throat> if you look at the NBA standings right now, the Grizzlies are still in the A spot, four games ahead of the Pelicans at 32 and 32. So they're just treading water at 500, four and six in the last 10 games. Not bad, taking care of business. Still have a very tough schedule. So the closer they are to full strength, the better off they will be. And with Jaron Jackson Jr. and Justice Winslow, Justice could be a key wild card. For this team, we already know what Jaron Jackson provides, and it's very much missed for that Grizzlies team. But Justice Winslow could augment them as that offseason pickup, as that trade deadline pickup that they haven't had, and that's awesome. Uh, you remember Jackson's been out since late February with that sprained knee, and Winslow hasn't played for the Grizzlies yet since he was traded from Miami due to that back injury. So the fact that he's getting back um, is good. I mean, ultimately, it's going to be a, a gracious uh, first round loss to the Lakers, but whatever. They can make a playoff spot. That's good evolution from the grit and ground mentality is complete you have this young team and they're finally getting healthy at the right time so they can actually hit teams with the best shot as they try to stave off uh zion williamson and the pelicans that's what they need to do right now so uh that's great uh brandon clark also expected to return to the team sometime this season following a quad injury that's news because he's expected to join within the season because we you know we weren't quite sure about that so that's awesome that's awesome we'll see um when he comes back and how he, Justice, and Jaron all gel together. But exciting news for Grizzlies fans. So whoop whoop for that. Shout out to a Grizzly Bear Blues. Used to write for them for SB Nation. Still got a soft spot for him. Uh, Twitter Fingers. Still working on the name for that. But Twitter Fingers, what is that? Call out a tweet. Talk about a tweet. Discuss it. This is from Young Atlas at that big boy underscore D. Not going to comment on that. Interesting. Uh, he wrote, this NBA TV crew for the Nuggets game is so bad. 80% about the Lakers and the rest of it is dispatching the Nuggets and not having a single clue about the team. Have some pride and do some research on the teams before the telegast so you can pretend that you watch the teams you talk about. 
Read it one more time for you. This NBA TV crew for the Nuggets game is so bad. 80% about the Lakers and the rest of it is bashing the Nuggets and not having a single clue about the team. Have some pride and do some research on the teams before the telecast so you can pretend to watch the teams you talk about. I agree. At that big boy underscore D, young Atlas, I agree with you. Uh, do I think the NBA TV crew talk about too much about the Lakers? No, as a Lakers fan, I don't see anything wrong with that at all. Why would you even uh, come up with such an idea there? But in general, yeah, I do think you can tell when people whose job is to watch the games or to comment on the games have not done said homework because they come out with the most basic and, and general of takes. And to be honest with you, when you're trying to grow a love for the game, grow an appreciation for the game, you should know what you're talking about. Sweeping remarks was so 10 years ago in that regard. Oh, a jump shooting team will never win the NBA championship. Blah, 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 small ball. Blah, 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 delete defenders, 3 and D, yada, yada. Like like that type of hot takey stuff. Yes, it still gets clicks. It still gets views. It still gets people paid on TV and on the radio and whatnot. But if you're trying to spread that love of the game and keep that going, keep in your, you know, the NBA TV crew, keep your paychecks going, keep that interest alive, you want to inspire that. You just do. You want to have that love for the game. You want to have that appreciation to be able to teach, to be able to show examples of trends and players and styles and teams and moves. And You don't get to do that if you're not watching what's actually happening. It's just not something that happens. Then you do a lot more guesswork. Then you do a lot more assumptions. And that's not great. You're coming from an expert position here, an expert position. You're teaching. Young, old, casual fans, die-hard fans. That is the goal of a telecast when you're watching the game is to get that extra info. And that's why, you know, people like myself, I follow other podcasts or sign with streams that have more analytic data and will cover the game and not just the storylines for just covering the game. So I can walk away from the game watching it from a fan perspective, but also being able to go, okay, I learned something about why the Nuggets like to use Jamal Murray and uh, Nikola Jokic in the pick and roll. Just to give an example here. Or something like that where I can go and say, wow, I watched the game, I enjoyed it, and I also learned something I can take away to better enhance my viewing experience the next time. You don't get a lot of that now. You just don't. And it's unfortunate. So, uh, again, shout out to the at Big Boy D. Uh, you uh, a real one for that? I don't know. Anyways, it's going to be an early one. Got a lot going on today, so that'll do it for uh, this episode of NBA Today. Please follow me at Corbin NBA. Make sure you follow Hoopball at Hoopball Tweets. They have so much goodness over there that you have to check out. We're talking NBA fantasy perspective. They have the premium package, which is uh, game time premium. Anything you need for fantasy basketball. Produced by the FSWA Writer of the Year and Brewski. 30 Deep Champ. Got Dan Vespers. You got Mike Passador. Got ad and drop advice, pre and post game coverage, rankings, projections. You got your dynasty information. You got your DFS information. You have the chance to interact with um, hoop ball pros. Dan Brespis is always up there doing tweet storms and answering questions every time I go on Twitter. So you can check that out. You have a running tally on the side of fantasy news. I'm looking at it right now, and they have everything about the Utah Jazz in their loss to the Raptors. By the way, shout out to a big win by Toronto on the road. Uh, Donald Mitchell scored 11 on 4 16. Not great. Mike Conley, 13 points on 4 12. Ugh. Joe Ingles, though, played well off the bench for 8 of 12. Rudy Gobert only had 6 points and 4 rebounds on 1 of 4 shooting, along with battling foul trouble. All that I just told you 
yeah, I watched the game and I know it, but I also just read that from our fantasy news that is easily uh, found, short, quick, to the point, and clear. We're talking all teams. They have the trades before playoffs, who to pick up, you know, whatever fantasy features you're interested in, hoopball team coverage. I just told you the plethora of podcasts that are there. I'll run through them again. Fantasy NBA Today, Daily Fantasy um, Today, uh, Today in Sports Betting, Box Score Breakdown. Uh, wonderful Adrian Benjamin on that. NBA Today, the Cozen Bruce Show. You have the uh, Hoopball Nets cast, Clippers cast, Lakers cast, Grizzlies cast, Pelicans cast, and Kings cast. A lot of coverage for your favorite teams. All right? A lot of coverage. You definitely need to get the most out of that, and I would recommend following Hoopball for that. Also, let's not forget the Bruce letter. We already talked about the FSWA Rider of the Year and Brewski. Every week comes out with a full, full, deep newsletter covering every team. In the NBA, from a fantasy perspective, three points on his favorite team, the Sacramento Kings, who are, you know, they're in the hunt for a playoff spot. We'll see how that goes. And he talks about just whatever NBA topics are on the mind every Monday in your inbox. Sign up for that. Go to HoopBall, hoop-ball.com. Follow at HoopBallTweets. Make sure you get that good information, all right? It's been a real one, y'all. Take care. Make it a great Tuesday. I'll talk to you. All right, y'all. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.